If you have your Bibles, turn with us to 1 Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to be reading this morning. So again, appreciate everybody coming out this morning. Pray for Brother Terry. You can see he's not here today. He's actually fulfilling a pulpit today. Had an opportunity to preach at the church without a pastor. So let's pray for him. I believe Brother Mark's preaching today. So let's remember him and also always remember pastors he preaches today. But uh, we want to say we appreciate everybody coming out. And uh, yesterday, appreciate those that come out and help with the uh, cutting of the tree and the men's fellowship, chainsaw and biscuits. We had a great time out there. And Brother West did a great job on the devotional that he brought forth to us. And we appreciate that. But uh, this morning, the Lord's laid this upon my heart to teach. Uh, it's been on my heart for some time. I mean, we, we know this chapter, but sometimes it's good as a child of God to be reminded of the scriptures, to be taught his word. And uh, it's kind of a picture of the, the model church and how we play our part. Each one of us, each one of us that are saved have a part, no matter who you are, no matter what age you are. And uh, Peter's here addressing uh, uh, some issues and addressing some helps and some encouragement, but before we get started, let's go to the word, Lord in prayer. Heavenly Fathers, we come to you this morning, Lord. We ask you, God, to help us and anoint us, use us, Lord. I pray you'd open our minds and hearts to what thus saith the word of God and help us to be used of you, Lord. I pray for each home, each need. Uh, God, I pray you just move, Lord, be within our services, Lord. We can already feel your spirit stirring, Lord, especially through the singing this morning. I just pray, God, that, that you bless each individual and most of all, Lord, for everyone lost. I pray you'd save, Lord. Be with us all, Lord, that we may worship you in spirit and truth. In thy name we pray. Amen. But here in 1 Peter, I want to read uh, 1 through 11. Then we'll have a thought. Then after the, the, the thought the Lord's give us, uh, I've got a few words I want to say. But it says here in verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort. Also, I am also an elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, we shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto an elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all you care upon Him, for He careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To Him be glory and dominion forever. Amen. First Peter chapter 5 is where we're reading at. But I want to give you some background on this chapter, then go into my thought. Here Peter's telling times of persecution demand that God's people have adequate spiritual leadership. And if judgment to begin at the house of God, 1 Peter 4.17 tells us that, then the house better be in order, it will fall apart. This explains why Peter wrote this special message to the leaders of the church, to encourage them to do work faithfully, 
Leaders who run away in times of difficulty are only proven they are hirelings and not true shepherds. So in today's lesson, I want to teach us how to honor our elders of the church, especially our pastor and his family. Notice what it says in verse 1, the elders. Now the ideal elder comes from church life, from the Jewish culture, and we find that in Exodus chapter 3, verse 16, and also Exodus 12, 21, and Exodus 19, 7. 1 Peter chapter 5. And the word elder simply is speaking of maturity and wisdom of an older person should have, making them qualified for leadership. Its application is more about wisdom than a specific age. And I can say amen right there when I studied, I thought through the years of ministry that I've been in, how many old-haired people that you think should be mature, steadfast, or some of the most contrarious people that will not listen, will not heed. So it ain't how old you are, it's how what you are in God. I didn't hear you. I'm just being truthful this morning. Amen? It's not how old you are. It's how much you love God and how much you want to walk with God and how much you want to be used of the Lord, no matter what your age is. That's why I'm so thankful this morning that all the, the younger people are in here and middle age and, and our uh, older saints, our senior saints. But here, talking about being an elder, said it was the practice of Paul and Barnabas to appoint elders in churches they founded, Acts 14, 23. There also was the develop office, development of the office of the pastor who was essential as a teaching elder. 1 Timothy 5, 17 tells us that. Who appointed and guided elders and other leaders. 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 13. And 2 Timothy 2, 2. And Titus 1, 5, 9. But I want to show you here in this verse 1 of uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. After it goes to elders, it says, Among you, he said, I exhort. That word means to encourage or to strengthen how many needs that in this walks of life? We're talking about leadership. Everybody you talk to is going through something, a storm, a trial. And on down in the chapter, we're, well, I'm going to show you why. And as pastors preach and other ministers are preaching, we're in the last moments of time. And the intensity has been turned up on the church and who you are and what you are in Christ. And you better know who you are in your faith. Because if not, just like it talks about the church there, will fall apart if it's not in order. You will fall apart if you're not in order. The devil wants to, to sift you as wheat, as he told uh, Simon Peter. But I like what also he told Simon Peter. But I prayed for you, Peter. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ain't you glad God prays or intercedes? Jesus intercedes for his people. But not only he says there, I encourage or exhort or strengthen who also am an elder. And I like that. He's not saying I'm above you. I'm among you. You ever been around folk like that? Act like they're better than you? I'm glad it's level at the cross. I don't care what's after your last name. I don't care how much is in your bank account. We've all got a six by six that we're all going into. And we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, those that are saved, the Bema, and give an account to Him whether things be good in the body, bad or good. But those that are lost will go to the great white throne judgment. But notice here, not only it says to encourage them or strengthen them, I'm also an elder. He said a witness. I know, notice what that means. It means a testimony. He has an eyewitness account of the sufferings of Christ. He walked with the Lord. Was he perfect? No. He failed God many times before he got the day of Pentecost and got full of the Holy Ghost. And God showed him, but have, any, have y'all been perfect since you've been saved? We'd all be on the altar if we said we was. We've all failed. But I'm glad he's still holding to my hand, ain't you? And he said, the sufferings of Christ, he said, I'm a partaker, a witness. And I like this, he said, also a partaker. That means a partner associate, a comrade, a companion. He walked with the Lord. 
Ain't you glad we have that opportunity? We have the ability to do that through the Spirit of God and through the holiness of God. But that word partaker, companion of the glory that shall be revealed. And when I was studying this, uh, some of the commentators and what was led in my heart was, remember on Matthew chapter 17 when he took Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, his disciples, took them on the Mount of Transfiguration and he revealed his glory. That, that word revealed means to uncover, to lay open what shall, well, that was, had been veiled or covered up. He showed him who he was, the glory of Jesus. And every once in a while here in the church, he'll show his glory to us through the Spirit, through testimony, through song, through the Word, and seeing how real he is. Amen. I'm glad we get glimpses of it, but one day we'll know everything. But not only that, first of all, I want to say the pastors or the elders of the church must walk or have a relationship with the Lord, the chief shepherd. And what do you mean? I mean, you've got to have a relationship with him. And Apostle Paul backs that up with the word. It says 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, wherein you stand by which you are also saved. Talking about the gospel. If you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain or emptiness. For I delivered unto you, first of all, here's what I'm hitting at. For I, first of all, Paul speaking, for I have first delivered unto you, first of all, that which I have also received. He's saying, I'm sharing with you what I received. He's talking about his born again experience on Damascus Road, or Damascus Road there in Acts chapter 9 when he got saved. I mean, it's sad today that we have elders in churches they have no idea who Jesus is, but they, they have a religion. They don't have a relationship. It's so important that if any of the leadership in our church, if somebody come to you and say, when was you saved? When, what's your testimony? You may not know the date. You may know not the hour. But I'm telling you, there's got to be a place and time somewhere that you experience the holiness of God and the Holy Spirit of God came into your life. And he said there, I delivered unto you first of all that which I have received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. They must have a relationship with him. Not only, let's go on and look at verse 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint but willingly, not by filthy lucre but of a ready mind. And that word feed there has two meanings. First of all, we must preach and teach the word. That's so important. You can hear anything and everything in any churches. And we're blessed here with what we have. I'm telling you, with uh, years of uh, pastoring and going to different places, not everywhere you go that you put your children on the pew, that they go to Sunday school, they're going to hear the Word of God. That's so important to teach them the Word of God because you're molding them and shaping them and making them. Amen? And that's why Paul told Timothy there, he gave a charge to him. He said, I charge thee, 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 4. I charge thee, or warn thee, or, or instruct thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the Word, the Logos. He's talking about preach Jesus. And when you're preaching the Word, you're preaching Jesus. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure certain doctrine or teaching. Are we not in that time? Most folk do not want to hear the Bible. If you just get up and read the Bible, they don't even like it. You don't have to expound on it. Just read what thus saith the Word of God. People hate it. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust or their own desires, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. 
So we must preach and teach the word. Not only that word feed, I want to give you a definition of what that word feed means. It means to supply the requisites or that which is required for the soul's need. What's that mean? What we need for our soul is what needs to be taught, what needs to be preached and taught in Sunday school and in the uh, preaching air. Not only does that mean it means to tend to. The pastor must care for the sheep. I'm, I'm laying on the foundation here. I'm going somewhere with this. I know some of you are like, what? And Peter's telling us this in this second verse. And, and he's reminding us also, if you remember in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, when Jesus spoke to Peter, he said, And when they were dined, when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, thou love me more than these? He said unto them, or said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon of Jonas, thou lovest me? He said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said, Feed my sheep. And he said unto him the third time, this is Jesus speaking to Peter, the one that wrote this book. Simon of Jonas, son of Jonas, thou lovest me? Peter grieved because he said unto him the third time, Thou lovest me, and he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. So what do you say? And when I study that, when I read that, it says says three times. And I think about the lambs. What's that? The younger ones. Those that are tender on the milk. There's three types of people here this morning. You're either just on the milk, barely know much about your faith, and you're going to the next level. As we try to grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you go to the middle-aged lamb that's coming off the milk, going on to the meat, can handle some strong preaching, but not too much because it'll upset the stomach and you can't handle it. But if you'll hold on, keep growing in grace, then you'll be that last sheep or that, the last one, the, the mature, the, the one that can handle strong preaching, the one that can handle the truth, the one that can take storms and be mature. Amen? And that's what level we are in, in our walks with Christ in different seasons. But the word feed here means shepherd or to care for. The shepherd, and when I found this, I thought this was awesome. I want to read this to you. The shepherd has many tasks to perform in caring for the flock. He must protect the sheep from thieves. And, uh, and the pastor must protect the God's people from those who want to spoil the flock. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 35 tells us that. Sometimes the sheep do not like it when the shepherd rebukes them or warns them. But this is a ministry for their own good. Amen. <laughs> heard a preacher say, you know who gets mad most of the time? People that they get preached to because they get their toes stepped on. You know who gets mad? Those that ain't living right. Hello? But man, when I get on the altar and make things right, it starts going good again, doesn't it? You can have fellowship. Amen? But it said, a faithful shepherd not only protects his flock, but he also uh, led, leads them to pasture to pasture that they may be adequately fed. The shepherd also went before the flock and searched out the land so there would be nothing there to harm his flock. He would check for snakes, pits, poisonous plants, and dangerous animals. How important it is for pastors to lead the people to green pastures, the Word of God, that they may feed themselves and grow. Sometimes it's necessary for a shepherd to seek out the wayward sheep and give it personal attention. Some pastors today are only interested in the crowds or the numbers, and they have no time for individuals. But Jesus preached to great multitudes, 
but he took time to chat with Nicodemus, John chapter 3, the woman at the well, John chapter 4, and others who had spiritual needs. Paul ministered to people personally in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, and loved them dearly. And aren't you all thankful for Pastor Gary that takes time for each one of us and each need? You'd be surprised how many times that I'm with him, and all I ever hear is, I'm praying for the church and their needs. And I'll say, what are you thinking about Sunday? Well, I'm praying for the church and what their needs are and different things that he's been through the week to help you. And he's seeking God's face. He's going to that pastor to try to that green, lovely grass that he can give to you to help you. But he can't make you eat. Especially if you're not here at feeding time. Amen? But if a sheep is too rebellious, the shepherd will have to discipline him in some way. And if the sheep has a special need, the shepherd might carry him in his arms next to his heart. At the close of each day, the faithful shepherd would examine each sheep to see if they had some special attention. He would anoint the bruises. He would anoint the bruises with healing oil and remove the bars, bars from the wool. A good shepherd knows each of his sheep by name and would understand the special traits of each one. Hallelujah. What, what, what ability, what a great pastor we have that cares. I mean, you've been other places. I mean, a lot of us that are here and different ones you've talked to have come through church hurt. That's some of the worst hurt you can ever have as a child of God, as a, as a Christian, is to be hurt in church. But thank God, and not saying you'll never be hurt again because we're in the flesh and we're not perfect and we try to live right. We all do, but we all make mistakes. But I'll tell you who never hurt you, and his name is Jesus. So if you're upset this morning or, or you've got something that's, that's burned at you, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He'll help you. Then go to each other if you have to. Amen? But notice, I want you to see that. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight. Or the, uh, being an overseer, he's got to be a leader. Not by constraint. That word constraint means by force, but willingly or voluntarily is what that means. I kind of kind of cackled when I read that. Being a volunteer. He's a volunteer and he doesn't even know it. Somebody say amen right there. <laughs> amen, preacher. <laughs> but willing, not for filthy lucre, but a ready mind, not for dishonest gain or for the paycheck. Doing it for because he's in the will of God and it's God's place to calling upon his heart. Verse 3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. He's not a dictator. He's at this place where God's put him. That's the way God set it up. It's his office that the Lord has placed upon him to lead us. Neither as being lords over God's heritage or, or, or God's lot, but being examples to the flock of God. He is the under shepherd to the chief shepherd, and we are the sheep. And uh, it's God's sheep, but for this season of time or this hour, He's our leader. Amen? And it goes on to say, verse 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Amen? Not a, not a temporal thing, but an eternal thing. Amen? Do what you do because you love Jesus, and Jesus is calling you to do this whatever you do in the church I don't care what you do if you do it for the glory of God and for God's honor I'm telling you you will be blessed beyond measure and this is why I'm glad that, that everyone's in here this morning likewise because not everybody's going to be a deacon not everybody's going to be a preacher 
But if you're a child of God, you're just as important. You have a role in this thing. It says, likewise, you younger, or those that are young in the faith. doesn't matter about your age. Even though Peter, tell, or I believe it was Paul, told young Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. I mean, I know people, the churches will throw young people in the, in the back corner and they could care less what they do. Have no, they don't care what the next generation is. And the vice versa, those churches where they don't care what the older generation done. They've had their years and they're done. They put them to the side. But it takes all of us to growing together, learning from each other. That's why this verse is so important. Because he said, submit yourself to an elder. Find you someone who's strong in the faith, that knows the Lord Jesus. It's got a personal testimony. It's got a walk that you can go and you can glean from the knowledge that they have. If you have issues, that you can go and talk to them and tell them. Uh, just like here uh, lately, you know, the women's group coming together and doing things for other ladies in the church and praying for one another. That's a beautiful picture of the church caring for one another. Amen. Because uh, there's some things that us as men cannot understand that women go through. Can I get amen, ladies? And I'll give you an example. How many of you women that's give birth to children? Right? When that husband's there at the uh, top of the bed saying, Honey, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm here for you. You want to take that bedpan and about knock him out. Because <laughs> he has no idea what you feel. Right? But that, let that nurse that's had children or that midwife that's delivered many babies say, Sister, it's going to be all right. You'll get through this. You say, I understand because you feel what I feel. Oh, I'm glad we got a high priest that knows what we feel. He was touched with all the points of sin, but he did know sin. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Notice, he says there, Submit yourselves unto an elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, or care for one another, that you be clothed with humility. I don't know about you this morning. I don't have no agenda. My agenda is Jesus. That's right. That's my agenda is Jesus. And to see this church go to the next level and see Pastor and the First Lady and Emily go to the next level with our church because as they grow, we grow. Right? Amen? But he says there, be clothed with humility. Because notice what it says for the next part of the verse. For God resisteth the proud. That's tough. I'm telling you, there's more people that's going to give an account to God for that than anything in churches. You know what that says, Brother Earl? He resisteth. That means God withstands you. God's against you when you've got pride in your life. And how many good Christian people that we, so to speak, allow them to get their own agenda, their own thoughts, and their own ways? I'm telling you, anything that you do, you better pray about it. And anything you can do or anything you can say, if the Holy Ghost will give you the liberty to do it, then it'll be all right if it's backed up by the Word. But if it's not, you better leave it alone. I wouldn't want the blood of men and women on my hands before God. Amen, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. But Some folk will, will have to see it the day of judgment. They said, God resists the proud, but notice this. He giveth grace to the humble. Or what it, well, He puts His favor on it. He puts His blessings upon it. You know what being humble is? It's taking your will and submitting over to another's will. You're saying, yes, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you or lift you up, put you in a position where he wants you, in due time, in the right time. So if you're praying and you want to do something for God, be humble, be obedient, be a, a, a partaker, 
uh, walk with Him, do what God have you, and when it's the right time and it's God's time, He'll put you where you need to be. Amen? And I'll say this, if you feel like you need to do something or something's on your heart, that door's always open. All you got to do is knock and say, Pastor, I believe God's told me to do thus and thus. And if it's by the Word of God and it's backed up, I'm sure He'll say, let's do it. Amen? But He says there, not only that, after we do this, verse 7, casting all your care upon Him, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your struggles, all your problems, because He'll help you. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Psalms 55 verse 22 said, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, for He shall sustain thee, and the righteous shall not be moved. Like the song that I think Lee and them sing, there's never a time. He's never been faithful. He's never failed me. He's always been faithful. I might think He's late in my own mind, but He's really on time. Amen. He said, casting all you care. It's a picture of throwing on to or roll your burden onto him and leave it, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, go about, notice this, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Clearly thinking, pray, seek God's face, get still, be still, know that I am God. When we allow things to, to, to get in our mind and cloud our mind, it'll make us feel like the, the shepherd don't care and, and nobody can help us. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus will help you. You just got to stand still and wait upon Him. Just breathe, exhale in Him. Just hold on to Him. He said, be sober, clear thinking. And I go, I mean, it's a whole other message, but it really, not to be abbreviated or abbreviated or, you know, alcoholic beverages. Stay away from it. You don't need it. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you do not need that stuff. Anybody say amen right there? I didn't feel no stones, but it's the truth. You don't need it. You need Jesus. He will help you. He will guide you. He will give you strength. But notice it says be vigilant. Be watchful. Be on your toes. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in whatever you're doing in life for Christ and in this walks of life. Because your adversary, notice that, that means your enemy, your accuser. That's the devil. And I like how he says that down there. Notice in the, the previous verses, he didn't say each other. But how many, how many this week or sometimes in the past, you'll say, you're my enemy. You're my enemy. The pastor's your enemy. Hello? And if you listen to that garbage and believe it, that'll shipwreck your faith. We're for each other. Wes, when I see you blessed, I say, praise the Lord. Brother Brian, when I see you blessed, praise the Lord. Until you see somebody else blessed, you'll never be blessed yourself or happy for them. Amen. Be, be watchful because your adversary, or be vigilant, your adversary, the devil, that's the enemy. He roareth about a line and time's running out. And like I said earlier, when we begin to teach this, that we're in the last moments of time and he's working overtime and trying to, to, to stress God's people out, trying to discourage them, trying to tell them, it ain't worth it. Just give it up. Don't be that light. Don't, don't be what God would have you to be. And he's huffing and he's puffing and he's blowing. And he walketh about whom he may devour. And that's ultimately his job and ultimately what he wants to do. That word devour means to destroy. He wants to destroy you. That's sad. But he hates God so much because he's so prideful that he thinks every time he gets you to shipwreck, every time he gets you to throw in the towel, every time he gets you wanting to quit, he said, look there, God, they ain't nothing. I told you, and he throws his fist up to God. But all you do is, by the prayers of others, 
by pastoral care and him loving you and trying to help you get back up and say, no, greater is he that's with me. I'm going to go on. I'm going to do what God had me to do because I know that if I get off the milk, get on the meat, get going for God, that he's going to help me. Yes, you're, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. But if you've got a body of believers that love you, you've got sisters that love you, you've got brothers that love you, and really be there for one another. That's why it was so important to find that elder that you can tell if you can't tell Jesus. I mean, I know you can tell Jesus, but sometimes in life you may not feel like you have the right answer, but if you can go to an elder with, with wisdom and knowledge that loves you and cares for you, they can help you and direct you. I've been there. I know what it ta- I'm talking about. And they would be, that would love you and go tell Jesus on you. I'll just leave it at that. Because you've got to be careful with that. Just because you tell somebody your heart don't mean that they're going to be for you. And that's just the true facts. I'm just spitting facts. Amen. They won't tell Jesus. They'll go tell somebody else. Amen. But that's how we, how do we do it? Verse 9. How do, how do we stand against the devil? Whom resist or stand against steadfast in the faith. How do we have faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Have a daily Bible reading. Have a daily fellowship with him. Walking and talking with him. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Listening to what our pastor preaches. Listen to the, 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 the men of God that we have here in the church. God has entrusted us with the word of God. That's why it's so important. I'm going I'm to show you all this stuff here in a minute when I, when I get down here to the part where I, I'm going to speak about it at the end. But it said, Resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions that are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You're not the only one going through what you're going through. There's people that's went through what you've went through. And they're willing to say, if you, you look at them and say, man, how did you do that? How did you go through it? Well, this is what I did. I prayed, I sought God, I read my Bible, and I trusted Him. And that's a lot. Because I've not always done that myself. I'm human. I wanna, I, most men are like fixers. I want to fix it. I want to do it. I want to be. I, sometimes God puts you in place. You just got to trust Him. You got to let go. And that's hard. It really is. I'm just telling you. It's hard. But when you say, here I am, Lord. Whatever you want in life, that's it. I surrender to you. And he says there, resist in the steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions that are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world were more than conquerors through him that loved us. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. These are not cliches. These are not just sayings. These are actual biblical principles and words that will help us and guide us. Notice here's the last, verse 10. But the God of all grace, I love that. He's got grace for every need. Sustaining grace, saving grace, uh, provisional grace, miraculous grace. But that's who we serve. The God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory. We're saved, we're heaven bound, but we're not there yet. And while we're here, look what says happens. After you suffer a while, that's where most people, I'm getting off the bus. I'm stopping right there. But I believe it's 2 Timothy 3.15 says, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's part of it. That's part of the plan. I wish I could tell you, you get saved, you'll, everything's lollipops and roses and you never have a bad day. It'll never rain again on your parade. But that's just not how it works. But I know Jesus loves you. He cares for you. And he's our example. And everything he suffered, he did it because he loved you. I think it's Hebrews 8 or Hebrews 5. It tells us 
And though yet he suffered, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. I don't know about you, but suffering makes me want to draw closer to him. Say, I need you, Lord. I need your help. I need your strength. I can't do this on my own. Because what other option do you have to go alone? Because everybody suffers. Everybody has problems. Everybody has issues. But the major difference is we got him to go with us, before us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh, I could quote that whole, that whole chapter, but I'm just telling you. If you learn that he'll be there for you, he's behind you, he's beside you, he's before you. He's God and there's none like him. Amen. Buy into your faith. Buy into your faith. It's not just words on a page. It's reality. But after you have suffered a while, make you perfect. Not perfect, it's sinless. Mature. A mature Christian that when the waves come and the storms come, that you won't fall, but you'll be steadfast on the rock because you've built it upon Him. Established, settled, or strengthened. That word established means firm. That word strengthened means strong. And lastly, that word settle means that you have a foundation. A foundation you stand upon. What other foundation is there in this world that will not crumble? Everything's temporal in this life. But the only foundation that's solid is that's the Lord Jesus and the finished work of Calvary. Amen. No matter the winds blow, the, the hounds of hell may come against us. He's solid rock. And upon my church I build the gates of hell shall not prevail, he told us. But lastly, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the thought this morning that I've taught on with the help of the Lord is how that we are to honor our pastor and family. I want to give you some thoughts this morning. First of all, we need to pray for him. Why do we need to pray for him? Because he's the leader of our church. And I'm going to shock you. Do you know when the pastor gets help? We all get help. When he grows, we grow. So I don't know why people wouldn't want him to have help. Because if, if, if you don't realize, you know what it says in Zechariah, I think it is, chapter 13, verse 7, if the shepherd gets smited, the sheep will be scattered. And how many tonight in our community or this morning in this community are without a pastor? Don't know where to go, know what to do. And he's doing it because it's his calling and God has placed him here for this season. Amen? Because we never know what life may bring. Death could come. God could say, you're done here. We don't know. We're not saying that that's going to happen. But there's always a possibility. So be thankful for those that you love because you never know when they're gone. Amen? And that's why it's so important that we need to pray for Him because He's a leader of our church. And what would we need to pray specifically? We need to pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You say, what do you mean, preacher? 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One that you know all things. Pastor cannot, pastor cannot do what he needs to do unless the anointing of the Holy Ghost comes. The supernatural can only be done through the power of God. And I like this. I heard this quote from a preacher that I, I'm studying this. God does not anoint what God does not appoint. If he's not called and he's not qualified, God ain't going to anoint that. So we are blessed to have both. Amen? God does not strengthen what he does not call. God does not enable what he does not enact. Hallelujah. I felt the goodness of God on that. Not only do we need to pray for him as because he's a leader, number two, we need to pray for him because he's the target of the devil. He's got a bull's eyes on him. Pastor in the church, we're not enemies. 
We are the family of God. Satan has them under attack more than you'll ever know. Anxiety, depression, worries, fear affect them just like they affect us. They're human. So, so when he can't get to pastor, you know what the next thing he'll do? He'll attack the wife, then the daughter. I've seen it in my own life. When you think, yeah, I got it going. Oh, it'll, the storm will either hit my wife or it'll hit my children. Satan don't play fair. He's, he, he hates you and he hates God and he don't want nothing good what's going on. God, we're on the verge of something really good happening here at Vickers. You can see what God's doing. The, the pastor's got a vision. He's got a dream. And, and those that he's told and us that know what the next steps are, it's great. It's going to be awesome. But don't you think just for a moment there ain't Satan behind the shadows of this church. I feel this. That's trying to take a monkey wrench and say, no, you stop. That's enough. We need to pray God's will be done. And those that would hinder and those that would stop, they're going to give an account to God one day. They better know that they're doing what they're doing is for God. Amen. And we need to pray for them. So, I, so what do we pray in that part? We need, so we need to pray that God will encourage His family. Tell them they're making a difference in your life. And your walk with Christ. Maybe send him a card of encouragement. Maybe a little gift every once in a while. Most of all, some of the greatest things is when I was a pastor is you've helped me in this area. Or thank you. It ain't just about preaching the word, but allow that word to mold. My greatest joy is watching people walk in the faith. After you get saved, watching them walk. Evangelist comes in, he preaches the devil out of them, and if they get saved, great, and he goes on down the road. But the pastor gets to, that's where that tending to the sheep. He gets to see their needs and, 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 and to be with them and rub next to them. And, and I'm shepherding a, a sheep thing there. That's what I'm trying to say. Nothing ungodly. But a shepherd, he gets to know each his sheep. He knows what they need, like I've already read to you. Matt knows this. He's a, he's a farmer. You know him, sheep. Amen. I think I've heard him said most of them stupid. I'll say oh me on that sometimes in life. I've made dumb decisions. I'm not perfect. But the more you learn, the more you grow. It'll help you to be mature. But we need to pray for him, for encouragement, to tell him he's doing a good job, that they're making a difference is the main thing. And not only that, why do we need to pray for him is because he's the protector of your soul. There's a special calling on men of God, but especially a pastor. Did you know? Let me shock you. The pastor is the only person who will answer for someone else besides himself. And that's a scary thing. Hebrews 13, 7. Obey them that have rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your soul. And they may give an account that they may do it with joy and not grief, for that's unprofitable unto you. Man, I feel this you have no idea the weight a man of God carries. You just see him here on Sunday and think, oh, he's got it made. Preach two or three times a week. Oh, well, I, he's got it made. You have no idea the load that he carries. So pray that the Lord will bless our pastor and family. It's not just about money. Even though the church should take care of the man of God, the best of the church's ability. Pray that the Lord will bless his finances, bless his health, bless his family's health, and whatever else his family may need. Pastor and family needs, our pastor and our family needs to know that we have his back and he's not alone. 
in the battle. Because I'm telling you, being a man of God sometimes when you preach, and I think, I don't know if Brother, Brother Aaron's not in here, but I share with him, he's starting his ministry now and he's going to be preaching. And I said, main thing is you and Les and the children have a solid rock foundation together. And I pray that God will mold you and make you. Because there will be times in the church when you stand for Jesus and you stand for truth that you'll feel like you're the only one. And you'll be alone when you stand for truth. And I'm not saying, I'm, most people here want truth. Most people love God and love the Word. But I'm saying there'll be other areas when you go out and you preach, you'll feel like nobody cares. You're not making a difference. And you feel like you're all alone. I give you scripture. But old prophet Elijah, what are you doing in the cave, Elijah? So it happens. It happens. So, with all this being said, I want to finish up. We know this upcoming week, Lord willing, we're going to be honoring our pastor's wife. I want you all to pray this week. Maybe get her a card of encouragement. If you feel like a little trinket or something or a little gift, you do what the Lord have you to do. But I'm going to give you a scripture and I'm going to come to a close. I believe Sister Ravonda is a picture of a Proverbs 31 woman. Amen, don't you? Amen? Amen? And last night while I was talking to my wife and she would be here this morning if she didn't have something to do work-related, I said, well, what would be a good verse? You've been a pastor's wife. You know what it feels like. You've been there. You've, you've seen all the struggles and stuff that I've went through. She said, go to Proverbs 31, verse. Proverbs 31, 30 and 31. She said, that'll be a good one for Sister Ravonda. Favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, shall she be praised? Think on that this week. How has she helped you through this her time as being here as the pastor's wife and the first lady. Has she meant something to you? Has she helped hold your hand in your times of death? In the times of sorrow? Did you call her out and say, can I talk with you? And she tried to help you and encourage you. And I know this may be uncomfortable to her because she's sitting right here, but it's still the truth. Amen? She ain't for show. It's a real deal. I've been around them when there ain't no church services going on. I've been around them, I know, out in the world. The real deal. Amen. And I wouldn't ask you to do anything I wouldn't do myself. But faithful or faith, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, shall she be praised? Because you know, as she, or as she is with our pastor, is how he is with, uh, as far as the church, when, when they're together, uh, she can either make or break his ministry. You've seen it too many times through the years. Give her the fruit of her hands. And let her works be praised in the gates. That's what's on my heart this morning. So you do what you want to with it this week. Like I said, if they mean anything and she means anything to you, write her a word of encouragement or how she's helped you grow spiritually. Because I'm telling you, it'll be a blessing.